mean, it really was just out of the blue, this idea about Chopin, because I just had this passion for his music and I found out more about him. Hello, and welcome to History Through Fiction, the podcast. My name is Colin Mustful, host of the program, and today I am joined by Dr. Nancy Burkhalter, author of the novel The Education of Delhomme, Chopin, Sand, and La France. Piano is the coin, and on one side is the musician, on the other side is the tuner. And the musician relies on the tuner to make the instrument respond in a way that the musician, the pianist, wants. Dr. Nancy Burkhalter is a prolific educator and writer a former journalist who has published and edited numerous academic and nonfiction essays and books, Burkhalter now tutors students in writing, test prep, and college admission applications. She has master's degrees in English education and journalism and a PhD in applied linguistics. As an educator overseas through the State Department, Burkhalter gained an interest in comparative education which led her to her book and blog, Critical Thinking Now. Today, Burkhalter will discuss her debut novel, The Education of Delhomme, Chopin, Sand, and La France. The first thing I'd like to get into is just considering your extensive background in critical thinking and ling linguistics, what brought you to fiction? <laughs> I had begun another book entirely when uh, after I had gotten out of uh, graduate school and also into a, um, uh, you know, at, at, at a university position as an adjunct. And the whole experience was so shocking to me that I, at how poorly I was treated, uh, both as a student and as a, as a colleague in a department that I, I started, it was really for therapy. I started writing a book about, it was a murder mystery, and I killed all the people who had been mean to me. Yeah. It was great. And I decided that I needed to really get serious about writing, although I had been a writer, I had been a journalist, I had done a lot of nonfiction writing. And I said, well, you know, let's learn how to write fiction. How hard can it be? You know, it's, um, it, you know, they, it uses all the English constructions. It, uh, it does uh, everything that nonfiction does. Well, um, I, so I got myself into a manuscript completion class and I completed that manuscript, but it's, um, it's still pretty raw. But then I decided that, uh, and then I wrote another book because I wanted to encourage my son to read. So I wrote another novel about baseball and that has been completed, but it's still also really raw. And then I had this idea about, I mean, it really was just out of the blue, this idea about 
Chopin because I just have this passion for his music and I found out more about him. And then I really just dove in and, uh, and, and started to research his life and all the things that surrounded him and, and that time period. So, and, and then that's when my research skills that I had gathered when I was in graduate school came in to, um, you know, they were, they came in quite handy because I knew how to do that. I was comfortable with doing research. I was comfortable with all of the lag time it takes to get up to speed and to sort of dump all these facts and these ideas into my, I don't know what, buffer, short-term memory, whatever it is. And then, and then you start to really piece together the characters and the, the storyline. And at that same time, I entered, well, I had a friend who had a brother who teaches, um, he teaches fiction, literary fiction at, through the University of Washington. And she said, oh, why don't you take a class from my brother? He's really good, students love him. And I said, okay, I'll take a course from your brother. Well, it turns out this guy is like fabulous. And he knows everything about structure, which I had not been taught before in the other classes I had taken. Mm-hmm. So he really encouraged me to go ahead with this book. And uh, <clears throat> and I got some, you know, some encouraging words, also some pretty stark feedback, as one does when one begins to, to write and learn how to do it properly. Uh, but I, I really forged ahead. And that was... It, it, I didn't, I have to say that I didn't come at this with so much of a love of history as an, a, a, a thirst for information about Chopin, who uh, I, I just of necessity needed to go back and learn all about the history. So um, that's really how I arrived at, at this. So I'm, I'm a writer who who is uh, through nonfiction and who an idea she wanted to develop came uh, into the historical realm of things and and I uh, so yes <laughs> well I I can actually relate a bit you know I I myself started with history I have a master master of arts in history and that kind of academic style of writing so I, I can relate a little to your story of you know how hard can it be to just turn that into a fictional narrative. So how hard would you say that has been trying to to change from that academic style to fiction? I would say when I first started his classes that it was the proverbial fire hose. I couldn't believe that I had to learn so many new concepts. And as an educator, I, I always think in terms of concept um, learning and and uh, and how much does this does the student know about uh, what I'm trying to teach them in terms of the overall uh, umbrella ideas and um, so I I really had no clue about any of the kinds of things and I certainly had no idea about how to shape a scene how to um, develop a character, how to put in, um, uh, what do you call it? Not blockades, um, 
places where the the character would trip up. I mean, I had read about the hero's journey and all that kind of stuff, but the the distance between reading about uh, <clears throat> anything about how to do fiction and how to do it, are, it, that in and of itself is almost unconnected. I mean, you really, you have to get immersed in your own writing style and setting it down and seeing where your holes are and where your weak points are. And then, yes, you can consult books about it, but still it's, it's like, uh, even now, if I had to explain to somebody how to write fiction, I don't think I could do it. I do it, but I don't really understand how I got to where I am. And uh, it's, it's a mysterious process from beginning to end. And even when people ask me, you know, where did you get your idea? Where do I get any of my ideas? It just, it's, it reminds me of the eight ball, you know, that, that has a little window on it and you ask it a question and then the, you shake it and the answer floats up to the little window. It's, it's like that. I, I don't, I don't understand any of it. And uh, I, I mentioned that in the book about Chopin getting his ideas and things like that, or any of the artists. It's, you know, is it, is it mental illness? <laughs> I don't know. But it's the, it's, uh, it's the most fantastic thing about human beings, I think, is that we can create something out of absolutely nothing. And yet it, it, come, it comes to be appreciated by people uh, for whatever they bring to the reading. Well, that's, that's very profound to say what, you know, what they bring to the reading and, and just how intricate uh, and mysterious a fictional narrative can be. Um, this is a question for any fiction writers out there that might be listening. Can you articulate how many drafts you had to go through to, to publish no, this fiction I, novel? No, no. It, it would not. I mean, even even after I sent it you the manuscript, and you sent it back with your first uh, set of comments, I read through it three times, and that was after I thought it was finished. <laughs> so uh, no, I mean it, and especially since I was taking this class, we would go. We would the the teacher had us bring in you know ten pages or something. And we would, the class would go over it and give us the feedback and then he'd give his feedback and then I would go back and rework it. So it's, it's not, I don't know. I mean, I worked on it. I, I would say I had the idea back in 2006 and it, it was actually quite a bit different uh, in my original um, idea because what I wanted to do was to have a modern day tuner uh, work on an instrument and then somehow he finds this ring. Of course, the ring plays a big part in the book that I ended up writing. So he finds this ring and so he does some research into it. And then what I wanted to do was to then take the reader back into the life of Chopin when he actually has that ring and, and then go back up to the modern day tuner and then back down to the Chopin's life. And it just became so 
tubby. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I couldn't handle it. I mean, maybe a better writer could, but I, I just didn't have the skill set to be able to do that. So I abandoned the modern day tuner, and actually, that's become what I hope to be a sequel, where he does find this ring in a piano, and um, <clears throat> and does some research into it and finds some of Chopin's uh, missing manuscripts were are, are are real. I mean, they did. They have just recently found another one. So um, that would that would be my sequel. Um, so this. Um, book when I when I started when I got back to it which was around oh I don't know around 2016 I think I read it and you know I like the idea a lot and I wanted to pursue it it was something I really 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 wanted to do and I think that that's kind of a an important element for any writer is to it's it's just something that you cannot put aside. You have to do it. And um, that, I mean, that maybe that's true of, of all art projects that you have to have something inside of you that, that propels you toward that goal. And then as it unfurls, um, it's also some sort of, miracle <laughs> that it it appears before you and then you have to work with it within the strictures of what writing fiction demands and then <clears throat> it's it's just this interplay between what well, would be the same with writing a sonnet you know you have what what you want to express but you have to do it in a certain way there's a certain framework that it has to adhere to i mean you might be able to um, violate, let's say, the edges of the envelope, but not too much because readers really have a certain way that they want material presented to them. It's the same way in nonfiction. You know, they want coherence. They want uh, a, a way that the, the information will flow to them without having to work. And I think that's that is one thing that I brought over from from nonfiction is that I I didn't want my reader to work, and um, I but I have been fond of saying that there is one thing that fiction and nonfiction have in common, and that's punctuation. <laughs> well, I you know I have to congratulate you on on your stick to itiveness throughout the project. Um, Amaze that you know say that it started back in two thousand six and just hearing you talk about how it's developed and, and all the different intricacies that went into that from research to fictional elements to your love of music and those sorts of things. And it really came together. And, and I think it's something you can be really proud of. I am. I've, I, I've next to my son, and this is a, a distant, a distant second. I'm very proud of this book. <laughs> Talk a little bit more about uh, Chopin and and then the fictional character uh, Bilo Bilo Delhomme, the piano tuner. How did that get in, created, and what's your background with 
classical music and piano tuning? I took piano lessons from an early age for about 10 years. I mean, I was never very good at it, but I enjoyed it a great deal. And when I became a tuner, when I was about, I think I actually did my first job when I was about <clears throat> 24 years old in Chicago, um, I, mm, I began to get into the more, you know, the technical side of a piano. And I realized that, you know, and a lot of tuners have said the same kind of thing, that there's a, it's, the, the piano is the coin. And on one side is the musician, on the other side is the tuner. And the musician relies on the tuner to make the instrument respond in a way that the musician, the pianist wants. And if they, if, and that involves a great deal. I mean, that's, that's the whole of it. And uh, if, of course, if I'm just tuning for Mrs. Smith down the street and she wants her kids to play on the piano, it's, it's not that much, uh, it's not, there's not so much, well, I can't say artistry, but the, I would say that the skills of a tuner are, have to be in top form if they are going to know how to regulate the action and treat the hammers so that they sound a certain way and and also tune the piano in a certain way that that the musician likes and to make the piano stay in that tuning because with a lot of pounding that can go on it knocks out it can knock out the tuning and so uh, and it makes the musician look bad. So although the, I've, I mean, I've often, I've interviewed some tuners. I used to do some radio and I interviewed some tuners about their experiences with tuning for, you know, really famous uh, concert pianists. And, and they would say, you know, it's, it's really a matter of, it's, it's kind of an, a symbiosis that goes on between them. It's and it's it's not even anything that the musician can necessarily articulate, but the really top level tuners know they listen to these pianists and they understand how they play. They know what they need to eke out of an instrument. It's it, you know, and Chopin was a very good example of that. He had uh, just a a very light touch and he had a range of oh what would the word be amplitude from soft to loud which was much much more narrow in his range than in say lists who was a you know for lack of a better word a pounder and uh so he had but he had to be able to articulate and uh, those within that range and that the so the piano had to be sensitive to his touch and to what it was that he wanted to accomplish so my that's why he liked certain instruments that were had a certain touch over others yeah i i can see that throughout the novel you you even have this this little bit of a conflict between um chopin and and litz and and it's something I don't, I'm not a musician myself, so I don't know a lot about, but it was interesting to to see that in the novel. Yeah, they had kind of a, a you know, a little bit of competition, I think, 
so they were a little leery of one another, but in in the end they were they were friends. I don't know, it was kind of a strange relationship. He wasn't really friends with anybody. He had some really, really dear friends uh, in Poland. They weren't musicians, I don't think. But uh, he there's a book of his letters that have been translated, and uh, they were quite warm, especially with his one friend. I mean, I don't know whether the translation was a, a good one or not, but it he almost came off it almost came off as sort of a homosexual relationship, and other people have said that about him too, um, you know, because he was. Um, I don't know, it's hard to really grasp his personality because he was, he was not in your face at all. He was, he just liked to compose and he was pretty much to himself most of the time. So he uh, didn't really, uh, uh, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted the book to be about him. That's and and it's not really. I mean, it's a it's a book that focuses sort of on him, but the the piano the the piano tuner Bolio Delhomme is the I had to make him the main character because that was the only way I could really draw in Chopin's personality, his musical tastes, his practices, his views on how to do fingering and how to address the piano as you're sitting at it and things like that. So it really worked out as a, mm, what, what could I say is like a, um, um, I don't, I, I don't know how to say it. It was just something that I had to do because he, Chopin just was not a strong enough character to be a main character. I mean, George Sand is, whoa, if anyone's strong enough to be a main character, she's it. She was fantastic. And I, in the beginning, when I, when I started to read about her and, and, and Chopin's life, I, I really didn't like her. And I thought that was an interesting thing. Um, you know, I, I used to be married to a therapist and one of the things he would always say is use your own body as 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 an instrument to figure out what's going on with this client because that's your best way to help them see how they are coming off to other people so when i got into this uh book and i and i had this this really visceral reaction to george Sand, i said well wait a minute uh you know i, I can't i can't be i can't react this way towards her she's my character I, I have to find out some way to really give her a voice and let her say what she needs to say. Um, and so that's when I, I began writing those um, diary entries because that was the surest way I knew to get her into the story and get her side of it uh, and express her personality because I, I found it very interesting. She was so... She was unique. I mean, in history, I think she is just unique to be such a prolific writer at that time when women weren't allowed to write or weren't accepted as writers, and and to be uh, such a such a forceful 
uh, um, part of French literary uh, history. It, it's just, she was really, uh, I, I, I have to say, I came over to her side after a while. I saw her point of view, but I, I did not, I, I knew that I needed to, I could not um, luxuriate in hating her. And that was a really good lesson for me to kind of rise above the goings on of the characters and not get personally involved with them. I, I mean, maybe in the beginning you have to, but you have to put them through some horrible things. You have to make them do things they that you would never want to do or want them to do. But it's that that's where story comes in. That's where the reader gets hooked, and uh, that's what uh, literary fiction is all about: confrontation, um, being um, pushed back in your goals, and then over uh, and then achieving what you wanted in the first place. Although he he didn't really, he turned out to be a pretty interesting character. That piano tuner, I have to say. Well, I think you did with all your characters. You you really were able to capture a unique voice for each one of them, and that's that's a difficult skill to master. Yeah, well, they weren't. It wasn't always that way because I remember the class when I took something in, and one of the students said, "They all sound the same." And I myself have noticed that on TV when I see uh, shows that where everybody talks the same, and I I didn't like it, but I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to individuate the the voices. Um, but with allowing her to write her own diaries, I really gave her a voice that, you know, frankly, I don't know how French people are going to, to react to that if they read this book, because she's still, you know, when I went over to, to visit her place, Noan, in, um, in central France, I was in the taxi with the driver. And I said, oh, you know, George saw this and that. And, and he said, oh, you know, they still teach her in school. She is still revered, uh, you know, in, in the echelon of, of writers in France. She is right up there still, a hundred and what is it? A hundred and almost, almost 200 years later. So I had to be very careful with her, although I, I think with anyone, I think I've probably taken more liberties with her, although I have to say, after having read her stuff, have, having read stuff not just by her, but from her, from her own words, because she wrote this autobiography, I did get a pretty heavy dose of who she was. She's very, very... Uh, um, forceful and opinionated. I mean, she had to be to do what she did at that time in history in Europe. She had to be that way. So I, I changed my opinion about her entirely and gave her, you know, pretty, pretty prominent place in the book. I hope, I really hope French people aren't offended. Well, I can't speak for them, but I, I, I think I told you before, she's my favorite character in the book. So uh, she, she really came alive. <laughs> I'm curious, do you speak? Are you fluent in French? Yes. Um, so did you travel several times over to, to France? Was it specifically for, for research or did it just, it just all kind of came together? 
Well, I've been over there several times, but this time I went specifically. I knew what I wanted to see. It was really a great trip. I went all by myself and I knew what what I wanted to look at, the museums I wanted to go to. I went to, to Warsaw as well. And uh, there it, it was, I took thousands of pictures. I visited the, the conciergerie where he was jailed. Um, that, which is on the cover of the book. Um, I visited, uh, there were two, there was a museum in Warsaw and one in Paris, and they both claim him. I mean, it, it's kind of this war going on. Was he French or was he Polish? Or uh, It's kind of interesting. But in, in Poland, they you can hear his music being broadcast out into the street even. Um, and also they have several concerts. I went to a couple of concerts where they're playing his music. And uh, it's, I, I just, you know, I, I really felt very close to him, but I, I've done this before too. I've done, I've written books and are written a part of a book. And then I've gone to the place where it happens or where I can get more information. And it really would have been a waste of my time to go any earlier than when I went, but uh, it was very satisfying. And it, it's just, uh, it was it, incomparable in terms of giving me the information and the kind of the feel that I needed, especially of Noah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, there's certainly a lot more we can could dig into here, but I don't want to keep you too long. Um, this has been a very insightful conversation. I'm glad we've had a chance to do it. Um, but I, before we go, I'd like to ask, who would you recommend this book for? Because it's filled with history, with music, with those, it's a compelling, suspenseful novel. Who do you think uh, would appeal to? I, I think people, I mean, you're right. You've listed all those different people who are who know about those different kinds of things but i think <clears throat> i think people who read historical fiction are a breed apart they and i have a friend who is like that that's all she reads and she reads it to learn and that's how i approach this i tried to be as careful as i could be about the facts about making assumptions about the behavior and the words of my characters and i i think those who read historical fiction will they will know that i have done that they will sense that and so they are probably the ones i think would be most uh satisfied by the book mm -hmm. well the book is the education of delome chopin sand sand and la france and the author is nancy burkhalter nancy thank you so much for joining me today Oh, thank you very much. Great questions. <laughs>